a, a nice little different, I don't call it a surprise, but something that's different than normal. We've invited some guests. Everybody say guests. I have to be careful with some of our language today. So we're going to be using words that, that may seem a little bit new to us, but for, for reasons I don't think I need to explain, there's certain people that are doing work in parts of the world that if we begin to use the titles that we'd like to use, that it might cause problems down the road. Yeah, I mean, you guys know what I'm talking about. So we're, we're, we have some cross-cultural workers that, that are going to be serving in different areas. They're going to be joining me, and I'm going to be interviewing them for, for this reason. One is I think it's good for us to always be aware of what God is doing on the planet. But the other thing is every single one of them once sat where you're sitting. All of them once had a season of, you know, listening and, and maybe responding through giving or responding through prayer and then responding through going for a short time. And then God just kind of did something in their life that opened their eyes. Now, not everybody here is, is called to be a cross-cultural worker somewhere else in the world, but we're all called to reach souls for Jesus. So maybe your ministry is across the street, not across, you know, the, the ocean. Maybe it's not even across the state. But everybody here, I believe, you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God prepared in advance for you to do. So would you welcome our panel of cross-cultural workers today? They're going to join us. <clears throat> And uh, by way of introduction, would you welcome the Hubbards, cross-cultural workers on the other side of the ocean. We have David Spear, who is the area director of the uh, missions of the Assemblies of God for the Caribbean area. And would you welcome home the Bradshaw family singers from Haiti. So um, what I wanted to do was just start off with kind of an icebreaker type question because this is the one I always ask when I don't really know what to ask someone who's a cross-cultural worker. I ask this one question and it's, what's the grossest thing you ever ate? Where you live? We're going to start with you because okay. you've, you've been to all over the world, Suriname, Mexico City for, for years, uh, Cuba, the terrible food in Cuba, all that rice and beans and marinated pork. It's awesome. So David, what's the, what's the grossest thing out of, out of cultural politeness did you ever stick in your mouth and chew and swallow? I would say it has to be raw ground horse meat with a raw quail egg in the center that you mix that up into just a whip and then eat it with chopsticks. That, is that the, the Fukushima in Japan? Was that when you were there for the... Yes. Yeah. And uh, probably the second worst would be raw horse meat sushi. <laughs> Sea biscuit sushi. That sounds wonderful. Exactly. Yeah. What about you, Caleb? What's, you know, you've been all over different parts of the world. What's the nastiest thing you ever ate for Jesus? It's called a century egg, and it's an egg that is buried in the ground until it kind of has this acidic level where it turns like a greenish black, and uh, the inside is is like a brown, mushy. Uh, I don't even know how to describe it. The best way is like Lacroix. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> How many just threw up in your mouth? <laughs> Corey, what about you? Was it his meatloaf? Is that the worst thing you ever had to eat for Jesus? Brussels sprouts. Yeah. <laughs> now, you guys have been in Haiti for over a year, and there's some, there's some survival food down there. I, I've, like, I mean, they've got pizza, but they've got stuff that ain't pizza. So, Alex, what about you? Uh, cat. Cat? No, <laughs> people do, there is people who eat cat in Haiti, but... Um, Honestly, we haven't had to eat anything. Apparently, <laughs> apparently we're not playing enough. Your wife says maybe yeah, there's Spaghetti something. with fish sauce, maybe, for breakfast. Spaghetti with fish sauce with for breakfast? Or like the whole As the sauce. Uh, yeah. You tell that one, the, the whole the fish story there, Kristen. Um, so sometimes this 
spaghetti with fish sauce will have like the whole fish with the eyeball. And um, it's just, yeah, they, they do too. The like they just they do. I actually. <laughs> Wait, I got one. I got one. <laughs> Speaking of the whole fish, so they fry the whole fish, and uh, one of the moms at the or the nannies at the orphanage that we were working at, uh, she's like, "Oh yeah, eat the head," and I'm like, "I'm not eating the head of the fish <laughs> or the like the eyeballs sitting there like staring at." Me. And I was, I was, I thought she was totally joking, and I was like, "No, you eat it," and she's like, she just popped it in her mouth. Uh. There's, there's nothing quite like the sound of sucking an eyeball with the optic nerve still attached to it in your mouth, and it squishes like a cherry tomato in your mouth. There's nothing like that experience. Whew. I think it just threw up in your mouth. Come on, be honest. Good. All right. Great. Well, here, here's the question I really want to get to today and maybe camp on a little bit is, is, I know you guys were on our staff. You built homes in my neighborhood as a, as a construction worker and then a, a chemist. You guys had your own lawn business, and you were the assistant director of, of our daycare, and now you're not. So somewhere between where you're, where you're now headed or, or living and, and the chair that everybody's sitting in, something happened in your life. Caleb, help me out with this. Like, what was, how did you know that, that the United States was a temporary assignment and that you'd be moving out? Like, tell, me, tell us just three minutes. What's that process look like in your life and maybe in their life as well? I uh, go back to 2013. You had a phenomenal sermon series, Why is Greater Than What, and Passion, Pain, Proficiency, Proficiency, right? And, and I always thought that that was youth ministry, but as my eyes began to open and look around the world, you realize that you had passion in, in the rest of the world, but that there was also a, a pain in your heart, right? And right. not saying that we were proficient in overseas work, but that we we're like, we want to become proficient in this. And it really broke our hearts that uh, in parts of the world, there's three billion people who are unreached for the gospel. Right. So Corey, he comes home one day and says, hey, guess what? I just feel like this home we just bought and this, was, was it a, a shock to you or did you tell him first or how'd that work? Well, you see, I <laughs> told him first. <laughs> so uh, we were at youth convention and um, it, there was a speaker and that's actually, I felt um, the Holy Spirit prompting me asking, would you go to this particular country? And I said, absolutely. And I told Caleb and he said that I was crazy. And so fast forward a few years, he went on a short-term trip to the country we are going to, and he came back home, and he said, as every good husband should say, you are right. <laughs> Did you fix your Brussels sprouts that night just to reward her for being right again? <laughs> David, what about you? You, you know, again, you're in construction. Your, your parents were in ministry, um, lost them both in the same year at a young age, probably not the least or the most likely person being raised as a PK and. Uh, you know, the sentence of God has changed a lot through the years, and it used to be kind of a holiness, almost legalistic thing if you weren't careful. So I, I doubt that on your radar was like, you know, someday I'm going to serve. So what, did that, what did that calling season of your life look like? Well, the, what was on my radar was not ministry. <laughs> uh, I, I grew up in the church. My dad happened to be, when I was at youth camp at Fajola, or Fajolo, I can't remember how it was. Gesundheit. Yeah. You know, yeah. So I'm from Michigan, so I say you, we all say Fajola, but I don't think that's how it's spelled. But anyhow, <laughs> it's a made-up word. It's faith, there. hope, and love. Fa-ho-la. I was there and, and yeah. responding to just the invitation of a feeling a tugging in your heart that you were being called into ministry, and I went forward and and I really felt that the Lord at that time gave me a vision, and I saw a huge crowd of young people. And I was on the stage. Had no idea what that meant. 
Um, but what happened is I went home, and my, later on that year, that summer, that fall, the people in the church where my dad was pastoring decided they were going to throw my dad out. They didn't like him anymore. Even though they had voted him in 100%, they decided they didn't like him. Evil. Evil people do that. I'm just saying. Go yeah. ahead. ahead. They are going to throw him out, and my dad had, you know, there had been one pastor after another after another that had mm. happened in that church. They'd all thrown all of the pastors out, and my dad just said, you know what? God called me to this church. I'm not going anywhere. So he got up on Sunday morning. He told the whole church what was happening. The church rose up and said, no, you're not going to throw our pastor out. But what happened is it made a mark on my heart that I wanted nothing to do with the ministry because, well, what I want to say, I won't say because we're up on a stage in a church. But That's a different uh, kind of church. You can actually say yeah, it here. Totally different kind of church, all right? Well, mean people suck. I don't know if that's yeah, you can say that you can say. And I decided I didn't want to pastor mean people, so I didn't want to go into ministry. Um, so my dream for my life was I was going to be a research chemist. It's crazy, but I had that year a chemistry class, absolutely loved it, fell in love with chemistry. I don't know why. So I did that. I went to school, became a chemist, not research level yet. And then, like Pastor Jim said, my mom and dad passed away six weeks apart from one another at 44 and 42 years old. It totally, uh, I mean, there's nothing like that to shake your life when you're 21 years old. And I just decided, you know what, I'm sick of life my way. I was working in that field as a chemist and just said, God, I give up. I don't like what my plan for my life looks like. What do you have for me? And God was faithful. The Bible says that his call and his, his uh, gifts and his call are without repentance. He never takes them back right. because he has called you and he has destined you with a purpose. So no matter how long it's been that you have been maybe running away from what you felt a long time ago, it's still there. It's still fresh. It's still his plan for you. And he will carry that out. Uh, oh, I've been talking long enough. You can yeah, yeah. Well, it was fun because I really got a front row seat to your guys' journey in this. Because it was, I, you guys didn't even go on a missions trip with us, right, to, to do anything. So we came back, no. oh, we're going to Haiti. I'm like, oh, which trip? Like, no, no, we're, we're going to Haiti. It's like, oh, you're, what trip are you on? You know, that's, that's, a, that's quite a commitment. So, we're still asking that. Yeah. <laughs> um, at a young age, I actually felt led to missions. Uh, mm. And when Alex and I got engaged, he did not. Um, Dave and uh, Valerie were our, our teachers for our pre-marriage class, and that really shook us because they were like, you guys should have similar, um, you know, your, your life goals should kind of be, so you guys should all talk about that. And we started talking about that and realized we were in really different places. Um, Alex wanted to stay here and never leave the country, and I was well, like... There's a common theme of the guys not hearing from God. <laughs> Is everybody picking up on that, that the ladies get it first? Um, so then Alex went to Mexico. Um, once we got married, he went to Mexico on the men's trip to Oaxaca. Yeah. And I think you came back changed, but I'll let you tell that part. So um, we actually talked about missions later on in life. We had kind of a different vision of what it would look like, more like a missionary support type thing. God might bring that up someday. But I think you have to learn how to be a missionary before you can support missionaries. So um, right now, yeah, we, last year, I'll let Alex tell the rest of the story. And now the rest of the story. Oh. So after my wife got me right with God. <laughs> uh, the Oaxaca trip definitely stirred some stuff up inside of me, but, yeah. but I still, I don't know. I thought maybe later in life after we had mm -hmm. kids and um, we would maybe do mission work. But 
um, after buying our house and uh, talking about selling the business, we had just talked about it, not, not even to, to do missions, but I was like, ah, and I was kind of just dragging the process out. And then, uh, I don't know, God just softened my heart to, to like being able to let go of all of it. And once that happened, I kind of, it was just like, all right, this is, this is God led. And we did let go of all can of I, it in five I, months. There's a, there's a common theme. It's funny. I, I was looking at you, and you said, God softened my heart to let go of it. And I thought, I wonder what they're doing. I looked down, the whole row's doing this. Yeah. Is that, <laughs> is that true of all you guys? There was that process where there's the American dream or your dream or your goals, and all of a sudden God says, you're, my plans are not your plans. And right. there was a corrective, humbling moment that you said, okay, I give up. Is that universal? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, he says his plans are yes. way better. <laughs> they are tough, but... We've we've uh, we've already started seeing some fruit of, of our last year, even though it didn't go I mean, as planned. I'll add, I was definitely afraid. I was afraid we had of a what? beautiful home. Just yeah. it, it was more maybe not afraid like like you're scared of the dark, but just kind of like, what am I doing? I have two uh, baby boys, uh, a family to provide for. Not really trusting God, and kind of also thinking about all the memories that I had with here in the United States that my kids would never have, kind of like almost like this grieving process that yeah. my kids and family are going to experience something totally different that's not normal, um, but it's, it's of the kingdom. It's, it's different. You know, you see that the uh, eternal perspective as opposed to just a temporary perspective. Right. And, and you, did you find that most of the things that you were afraid of, once you let go of them, you realize either God had something better or it wasn't as valuable as you thought? Because I'm letting everybody talking about regrets. I really regret the fact that I gave up my Nintendo because... You know, like God brought a PlayStation along, right? It was better. Yeah. I do think about it often, <laughs> about our house. And, oh, maybe we could have kept it. But, but uh, no, it, it was very, it was, it was hard at first to give up. But once, you, once we saw what God's plans were, it was, it was. So here's another thing I think might be just universal. Just things. When, when it's in your heart, you know, the wives talked about it. And I think, did your wife have in her heart Cuba before you did, right? When you were in Cuba. Yeah, speaking your mics again here. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah. See, <laughs> Cuba. See. So, it's interesting that as I'm hearing the story, there's there's a progression to it. It's not like we're sitting and all of a sudden there's a burning bush and an audible voice. Then there's a process of acknowledging that might be the might be becomes I think it is becomes conversations with spouses. Now we're going to go into conversations with other people like parents, and you're saying we're going away. And when we're taking grandkids, and we're not coming back, and we're, what was the response of the people around you when you started to verbalize, "This is our dreams and our plans"? Seems like you have a story, <laughs> and and maybe the initial reaction versus how that reaction has changed now in the last year, Kristen. <laughs> I'll I'll start us off. <laughs> um, my family took it really hard, um, so. My mom and I actually were almost not going to speak before we moved. We, we just didn't see eye to eye on it. Haiti is known to be dangerous. It's known to have some um, ugly things going on down there. And my family just has a lot of fear about that. And not that we didn't, because we've heard the stories, didn't know the culture, didn't know the language when we moved. And so we were, but we also knew that God had told us. But 
that's hard because God didn't necessarily tell them. And um, they had to walk that out in faith too. So um, fast forward 15 months, we've been in Haiti. My mom has um, really come a long way with being supportive and listening to some of my stories. And there's things still that like we can't tell her because it would freak her out. Um, things that are normal. We... Like what? She had a microphone <laughs> on the air, right? Yeah. Uh, she doesn't... No, she doesn't, she doesn't know we're speaking today. Um, so there's, like, every day in Haiti, we have to check our Facebook expat pages, um, where all the missionaries and the expats are. Um, so we all communicate about traffic because there's not, like, a news thing. So um, we check that for roadblocks because roadblocks mean they're burning tires or throwing rocks. Um, sometimes it can be dangerous. Sometimes there's bandits on the road. you got to check for those things. So um, that's not something I like to tell my family. Um, or sometimes if she sees, like, on the news when Haiti just had some of the crazy manifestations that we had um, in July, she, like, heard about that and was like, oh, freaking out. And I was like, oh, that's normal. It was really extreme, but, um, you know, that is something we have to look for every day. <laughs> it's really extreme, which is normal. I, I like the way you put that into one sentence. It's normal. It doesn't uh, contradict itself in Haiti. That's... A new normal. Yeah. That was more unnormal, I guess, this more last, un this last <laughs> time. Unnormal. Yeah, they were dragging people out of their cars and killing them is what was going on at those it's things. some crazy things going on. So yeah. my family has come a long way. Have they come to visit? No. Do they say they're going to come visit? No. Um, yeah. So, I mean, but I think that, that God will call them, you know, if he chooses to. So, yeah, when we first told my family, it was really hard. Um, Alex's family, I'll just speak for you. <laughs> Like Alex's family took it okay. They, uh, they did a lot better than mine. Yeah, we can live without him. That's okay. But <laughs> do you have to go too? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, David, you, you had the audacity. Now, your, your parents have passed away, but you're, I know you're close to your, your grandmother, you know, and you took the, uh, you had the audacity of taking her, her great-grandchildren away to Mexico City. Correct. So when you began to tell people, I feel like we're called into missions, what was their first reaction? Was it good or bad or... Well, our, for us, it was a process of many years. We were called in 1993, never actually made it to the field until 2001. We were actually in Mexico City uh, for the first time when the Twin Towers fell. And we got stuck there and the whole thing. Um, I, you know what? I, Kristen would probably be able to answer that question better. For me, it was different because I didn't have parents. Mm -hmm. But what I can tell you is now um, my son has a call to missions. Not to Latin America, not to my area. The right. boy is called to Cairo. And so it was a completely different deal to be on Skype with him, and the call to prayer goes off, and he just begins to weep because God has touched his heart for that country, and I, and I just knew. I better be saving my air miles to go visit my son because <laughs> he's going to Cairo. And so that's when it became real for me as a missionary, but as a parent, to see my son going Across the world. So. Right. Now you guys are, are getting ready to go serve and, and work, so you haven't actually gone and done that and had the audacity to steal the grandchildren, but that will happen soon. When you start to share that, we're getting ready to go, we feel like God's called us, what's everybody's reaction? Was it good, bad? It, it warmed up eventually? <clears throat> uh, it's been, it's been uh, a great experience, I think, with our family. So we actually... Um, we sold our house, and we actually moved in with Caleb's parents, which is what a wonderful and humbling experience uh, to live with, you know, your in-laws. <laughs> they are, they're phenomenal. Yeah. Um, they actually support us financially each week for us to be able to pay for our gas and um, do our bills and still go on date night. And so I can't say enough great things about family. Um, 
And of course, you know, my mom, she's, she's devastated. She's here, but she, she's going to be a trooper and she's going to have to fly to um, another part the of the country world. we're going to. Yeah. yeah yep. So it's going to be, it's going to be You almost said it, didn't you? That was really close. I almost said it. It yeah. was, it was close. Um, and then also just the community here, um, TFC, I'm going to brag on TFC. We have the greatest mm. church with the greatest people and the greatest Amen. pastors. Wow. So. There has been comments made by family, though, uh, one in particular that said really close to us, not all of us are called to live in poverty, um, and those are humbling. Uh, as a man, it's, it's hard because you want to provide for your family and not knowing, especially in our season right now because we are just raising funds. We can't draw from our account yet. So until we get to the field, it's, so it's kind of like, man, God, we're, we're really just counting on you. So uh, when, when your family doesn't understand and they're more uh, business-oriented, uh, financial stability oriented, it is difficult. It is difficult. You, know, you look at, it, again, Moses' calling seems to be kind of a common theme this morning, and there's, he's, he's got this normal life. He sees a burning bush. He goes and approaches it. God speaks to him through the burning bush, and then instantly he goes from this shepherd to this man with a broken heart for, for the people uh, of Israel. And, and when he gets there and tells everybody, hey, God spoke to me, not everybody's excited about that. His own people try to kill him. Pharaoh tries to kill him. I guess the moral of the story is, is just be very careful who and when and how you share the God stuff. When the burning bush experiences are not necessarily what you put on Facebook. You know what I mean? They're, they're the closest of friends, families. And remember this, when people are trying to discourage these people from going and doing things, it's not because they don't love them. It's because they do love them. Does that make sense? So it comes back to that, do I obey God? Do I obey, you know, parents? Do I, I mean, God sometimes will call you to obey nobody but him because when you come to the place, he's all you have, you'll find he's all you need kind of stuff, right? So let's, let's shift gears. We got about eight minutes left, which in this church means about 87 more minutes. So if you go long, it's on them today. It's not on me. What, what can we, you know, I hope some people today will get encouraged to take that next step, to live at a deeper level of faith, being obedient, kind of getting past the voices of discouragement and you can't, you're too young, you're too old, you're not enough this, you're too much that, right? Um, what, what can we as a local church in Fenton, Michigan do for you as people that are serving in, in other places? How, how can we, I, I know, and, and you can't say this, you can't say pray up or pay up, okay? Those are, you know, I know you need our prayer. How many guys know they need to be prayed for? We're going to pray for them. How many guys know they need financial support? They didn't raise their hand, but they wanted to, all right? So beyond the, the things that we're already programmed, we're, we, I don't mean programmed like God's, like we know to do these things. We've been taught to do these things or good things. What are the things? Is it, should we send you a box of American cereal every, every month? Is it, is it, do you want real diapers, not, not the other diapers that are in your country? Is it, is it bug spray so you don't get, catch chimichanga or whatever that tropical disease is you got last week? You know what I mean? What, what can we do? To, and, and since you've been out the longest, I'm going to ask you, what is it that the local, what's the best thing a local church ever did for you and your family when you were serving? And you it, still are, but when you were, okay. you know what I mean? Yeah. Probably the best thing is that they came and served alongside us. Hmm. Um, Interesting. For me, that was huge, that they came and actually ate the same food. They, you know, some of them got sick, like we get sick, and they actually walked in our shoes for a mile and understood what missions was about. And they, what happened was they ended up going home with a little bit of our heart for that place. Mm. I think that I, I can definitely say that happened with Pastor Jim. Sure. Uh, going Pastor to Oaxaca, Jason yeah, Pastor Jason. And, yeah. I mean, the number of people that have been impacted by Oaxaca, 
when it, you know, it started with me, all I was doing was trying to obey, but God had a plan for others. Coming and working alongside um, is a huge deal. Yeah. Are you asking me what can we pray for us for? No. Okay, I think other, other than the ones we're going to do, we're going to pray for you guys. We're, we're going we're gonna to support you guys financially. But it's that other stuff. You know what I mean? That be a part. Be a part. Yeah. Is, is it the, the birthday cards to the kids? Does that make a difference? We're encouraged to do that sort of thing. Do they go, oh, somebody I don't know. Starbucks gift certificate, great. I live where there's no Starbucks for a thousand miles. Exactly. Yeah. I think, I mean, it's just like in your life, if somebody that you don't know sends you a birthday card, it's one thing, it's a nice gesture, but somebody who really tries to, that wants to be a part of your life, in it, not in a weird way, but, but again, it's, it's like <laughs> being a part, you know, being a part of what's happening that you're really connected. It's a different deal to come to Mexico City and sit down on my couch and play PlayStation with my son. It builds a relationship that never, that never stops. Right. So. What, about, what about you guys? You're, you're on your way, but what yeah. can we do for you? And a year from now, what can we do for you? I mean, I would say two things. Spiritually, you know, to, to get involved, not believe everything you hear about um, uh, different countries, but really to do the research yourself. And once you begin to research the amount of unreached people groups in certain areas, your heart will really begin to break for these people when you realize the lack of access that these people have to Bible. So I would say really just kind of opening up your eyes, and, uh, and I know a lot of you have, so just kind of like spiritually saying like, okay, what is going on around the world and how can I get involved? So just like David was saying, to be involved, uh, man, you guys are more than welcome to come hang out with us. We can climb a mountain, hang out at the coffee shop that we're going to be serving at. But man, they've said, the, the team that we're going to serve under has said how much fruit they have seen from short-term teams coming right. and the like, uh, just the energy that you guys bring whenever a short-term uh, team comes and, and builds. But I would say that just spiritually, you know, so thinking about what's going on around the world, not just in our backyard, because we know like Flint, Detroit, there's a lot of needs here. Absolutely. Fenton, a lot of needs here, but just kind of opening your eyes to around the world. And then practically, I would say like friendship, you know, just continuing to be friends because, uh, you know, we're going to leave and life is going to continue here. And uh, a lot of times they say that uh, cross-cultural workers really struggle with uh, friendships because it seems that they're coming and going and coming and going and there's no real deep friendships that are happening so Caleb took mine I was gonna <laughs> say just to be a friend um, just to reach out and um, you know go to dinner hang out just send a text simple things like you were saying that doesn't make it harder though I'm almost like hey we're having a great time without you like is that that that's a good thing though it just keeps you connected so you're part of like a Marco Polo group with the I can't yeah, well, there's, yeah, I mean, what Marco Polo is. It's, it's a way to waste more time, but it's a, it's a way to stay engaged with other people, and so they all kind of, like, talk, and then there's a video recording that goes out and comes back. Can you do that from where you're going? Yes, send that me Marco Polos. Just don't say the M-word or anything, you know. Don't say Marco, right. Don't say Marco or yeah. missionary or anything yeah, yeah, like yeah, that. Right, yeah. yeah, yep. Yeah. So, um, and then just be led, too, like uh, what David was saying. I love what David said. You know, you might be like, I'll never go on a short-term trip, but um, the Holy Spirit is a gentle tool, and if you ask, um, I think you'd be surprised that maybe a short-term trip would be the start to a very long and awesome journey. Yeah. Um, so just ask. Just be led and, and ask. It's, it's quite simple. So. How about you guys? 13, what, 15 months. 15 months into it. Um, I can say, like, when our families kind of had a hard time with us going, um, the people in this church became our family, mm -hmm. and that really helped us get there, but it also set this really hard precedent that we got to find people like you guys, 
and that was hard. Um, so continue being a friend like they're saying. I had Sarah and Faye call me on my birthday, and mm. it was such a small gesture. I'm gonna like cry talking about it, but um, but it was such a big gesture because you know sometimes you spend your holidays there. Um, we'll be there for Thanksgiving and Christmas this year, and there's just holidays are different. Um, Christmas is a big voodoo thing in Haiti, so um, I know we're gonna feel a little bit differently, even though we're gonna have the kids and do a lot of fun things that way. Um, it's still gonna be tough, and so yeah, just reaching out. Facebook is a great tool, um, and we were not able to get mail last year, but this year um, we should be able to get some mail, so that's exciting. So I don't know if that's gonna be really fun, but, um, and then people that have come on um, convoy trips have brought like stuff in their suitcases for us that it's hard, I think it's like $20 to buy a thing of Folgers coffee down there. So sometimes you just Folgers want- coffee Folgers coffee? Folgers coffee. Wow, with Sarah flavor crystals? Laughed at, no, Sarah left us, it was like- The F word, coffee. <laughs> Have you tried yeah, Rebo coffee? The Rebo, Rebo coffee. Eh, it's okay, yeah. It's okay. Just, you just like miss your home coffee. We get coffee yeah. from a lady in a village too that- Do you just drive down the Tim Hortons and just get a large with three creams? Or it doesn't, yes, doesn't no. Work right. yeah. um, so yeah, there's, you know, just those, um, Things of home, like cereal boxes. Cereal is like yeah. 10 to $12 for an American box of cereal. So we do a lot of cornflakes that are called TTs from Quadi Bouquet. Uh, the Quadi Bouquet TTs, it sounds fabulous. <laughs> they're not, they come in a big bag and they're really cheap. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, and literally in Haiti, you say, would you like some cream with that? They say, yeah, they walk underneath the goat. I mean, three or four squeezes, they hand it back to you. You just gotta pull the hairs out when you drink, it's fine. You can drink coffee and floss all at the same time. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Alex, what about you? What can we do? Like, I picture you saying, hey, man, I, I, someone stole my quarter-inch wrench, and, and I've been, like, I need a quarter-inch wrench or something. What, what can we do for you? Because I think we do have some teams going down to, to be with you guys soon. What, what, can, what can we do besides teams and so forth to help you guys? Into the mic. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Michigan sweatshirts, the football try, schools. Try, um, I don't know how to say it. Uh, no. Try to see the, uh, it's, it's really hard even coming down on a week trip um, or a short-term team um, to see the real wherever you are. Um, with that? Yeah, okay. I know. I know okay. what you're His, his translator is going to yes, translate. I got this. <laughs> so, what? Um, we just I had. Have Creole. Yeah. <laughs> no, like when you go to a country and you're going to serve the people, you don't necessarily have to think of these people as they need you. You don't need these people to be dependent on you. And so, when you're going to serve, um, you want to serve alongside and understand that they have more to give you than you're going to give right. them. And so I true. think that's what Alex is. Is that where you're going? Yeah. Um, like Haiti, <laughs> sure, he says. Haiti has a lot of joy. Um, it's the most joyful people I think I've ever been around. And they're in some really crazy circumstances. So when you come, sometimes you have to be able to push those circumstances aside and just see the joy. And so um, I think for us, like, Having visitors is awesome and we're excited, but I also really want, if you guys are thinking about Haiti, praying about Haiti, um, 
pray for the people that the gifts that they have to offer will empower them to bless other people in the world because they're so used to being served. And right. so, um, yeah, so I think that's, it's just seeing the beauty of wherever you go to serve, make sure you're not going in this mindset of like, oh, these people need me. They might not. And right. so they, they have, you have gifts that Holy Spirit has equipped you with, but so do they. And so um, just be open to that when you're serving in other countries. Awesome. Guys, thank you so much for sharing a little bit your stories and things this morning. Um, I'm going to ask you guys to go and kind of stand down across the front, if you would. We're going to do two things. Uh, one is this. How many, how many guys know we're supposed to pray? So we're going to pray. How many guys know we're supposed to give? A little bit lesser of an amen. How many guys know we're supposed to give? Okay. Remember, we, we taught two weeks ago, and now over the last three weeks, that we should be generous on every occasion. And if you find yourself in a place where, like, I really, I can't be as generous as I want to be, remember, remember we talked about two weeks ago, that doesn't mean necessarily that you're not supposed to plant more, more seeds. Like, when I have more, I'll give more. But what the kingdom does, what it tells us, piano guy, there you are, piano girl with the beard. Um, <laughs> uh, it, it, really, it really tells us that there's something more for us. Um, I appreciate them. The, the, the odds of them all being in the same room at the same time are so astronomical that I believe it's God's will for them to be here today. We want to bless them. I want you to be blessed as your pastor. If I come back to you week after week after week, and you'll use the analogy that Jesus uses where if you're a sheep and I'm an under-shepherd and Jesus is the great shepherd, if I bring you know, my, my barbecue fork and my shearing you know, scissors every week. I just, I'm going to cut the wool off you and I'm going to take the meat and eat it like I'm a bad shepherd. But if a good shepherd leads his sheep to places where they can be blessed, where there's still water, where there's green pastures, this makes sense? And he protects them there. Um, you are a wonderful, loved, unique, weird, wonderful group of people. And one of the things we've always seemed to have in our lives is people that are just a little bit more weird just a little bit more wonderful that stay with us for a season and then split to go do something really weird and wonderful in the world. I believe it's our job to continually bless them. How about you? To be a part of their life. And so if you've got a vacation coming up and thought, you know, I've never been to Haiti. It seems like the vacation spot of the Caribbean. And I never had a tropical disease. I know the place you can go. You know what I mean? The, where the goat is fresh and the milk is warm. Amen. And, uh, and, and, and beyond. I, we're all missionaries. We're all cross-cultural servers. Just, we did serve in different places and at different times and in different ways. But today, it's our honor to bless the people that have joined us today and our missionary force around the world. And so we're going to receive an offering. People say, well, where's this offering going? It's going to be going partially to the Bradshaws because uh, we want them to be well-supported in the nation that they're serving. How many of you guys think they need to be well-supported? It shouldn't be haphazard. We want them to have things that they need there, like a security guard like uh, electricity, like access to medical care. Alex, I've been joking about him checking or catching uh, chikagunya or Zika or chimichanga or whatever it was you had. I may just know if one of them gets sick, we need to be praying for them, but they also need access to medical care, and there's no Blue Cross Blue Shield. I mean, they, they need that. We want to be supportive of people, and I'll just kind of say ditto for everybody else. So this is our opportunity to invest, to plant seeds, and, and I really don't care as your pastor if it's a dollar or it's a thousand dollars. I really don't. I don't care if it's ten thousand dollars or a million dollars. What I care about is if God puts something on your heart, He's prompting you to respond. 
the, the result of their story is obedience to that prompting. And I believe with all my heart as they have been supportive of other people that have come and gone that are working in other places in the world. That's part of their calling. That's part of their preparation. That was part of them getting ready. I encourage you to be a part of this today. We ushers, come on forward if you are ready. I don't see, I do see, I see people wandering a little bit. So ushers are coming forward now. And we are going to bless the, them, them, him, and the 47 other people in the 22 other countries that we are now a part of serving. And so, how many guys know this is not a responsibility? This is an honor. If you wanted to be an investor, how many guys would want to invest in Apple when it was $2 a share? That's what this is. This is $2 a share. And every bit of return, how many guys know if you bless a profit, you get a profit's reward? You bless who they are, their reward becomes your reward. Be a blessing. So, Father, today we thank you that we are about to change the world by, by doing what you told us to do. We're just agriculturalists. We're farmers. We serve this way. God, um, we're grateful to be called and chosen to serve at any capacity in your kingdom, whether it is a full-blown whatever or it's a, it's, it's a full-blown something else. God, we, we just thank you. We get to be a part of the greatest cause, serving the greatest king, accomplishing the greatest feat in all of human history. So today, God, it's not some light thing. It's a huge thing. We get to do our part. Bless this offering. Bless those who give to be generous on every occasion. You said you caused them to, to increase, to be rich or enriched in every way so that in every time and all occasions, they could be a blessing. Bless the blessed so the blessed can bless, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. As you give this morning, we have one last thing. They're going to stand right here. I'm going to invite our altar workers as well, our regular altar workers. Come join us, please. Well, this way, I'd like to close this today. You don't have to be uh, a cross-cultural worker. You don't have to be um, someone being called into vocational ministry. But if you feel like God's speaking to you about something in your life, there's that next step. There's that next level. There's that next thing. And it's going to require the same faith. How many guys know faith is faith? <laughs> the, the faith of a five-year-old is the faith of a 105-year-old. Faith is faith. It's trusting God. Today, there are people, I believe, in this room, you're called to do something else. You'll know because there's a little bit of a discontentment in your soul. Yeah, the, the, the joy that was there in building that business, you know, and plowing that snow, fixing that mower, it starts like you saw. It's, like it's, not, it's not satisfying anymore. There's something more. There's something else. I believe there's a lot of people in this room, your something else is one faith decision away. You heard them say, I, we, were, we, we knew it was all or nothing. We felt that kind of like this, this was getting less and less pleasant and just like there's a slow releasing of the life that was in it is now, it's like a death. It's a, ooh, there's a death that's associated with it. And we had to make that decision. If you're there, I want them to be able to pray for you this morning. How many of you guys think that's a good idea? We need those who've gone before to pray for those that are on their way. So everybody in the church, stand your feet this morning. In just a moment, we're going to be dismissed to either come forward for prayer um, we're going to pray for them now. We're going to pray for you now. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, the greatest adventure you'll ever have is singing the greatest king, uh, serving the greatest king there ever will be. Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, worth giving up everything for, going anywhere he tells you to do, anything he tells you to do. One thing I did not hear today is how burdened and hard and sad and lonely they are. What I heard was we're in the center of God's will, and it's hard, but it's worth it. Some of you guys, your life's not hard, and it's not worth it. You need the hard to make it worth it. Life's supposed to be hard, but it's supposed to be worth it. So if you're here today and you're not right with God, get right with God. Tell him you're sorry. 
Tell me you need him. Tell me you prefer him. Tell me you want him. Tell me your life belongs to him from this day forward. Have that moment they had, the first of many moments, where you turn yourself over to him and say, God, I want you. They'll pray for you this morning. I'll pray for you this morning. Amen? So, Father, I thank you for our friends. Would you just extend your hands in this direction, church? Father, for these people that are here this morning that said, I will go any place you tell me to go. I'll leave anybody that's supposed to stay. I'll serve anywhere, God, with gratitude in my heart. I'll face it all. I'll face the bandits. I'll face the roadblocks. I'll face the, the mosquitoes. I'll face the sickness, the poverty, the depredation. I'll, I'll, I'll face the demons. I'll face it all because my God goes before me and stands behind me. God, we pray that today not only would they feel your touch, but as we put our hands on them now, God, we pray that they would feel our touch as well. Times where it feels alone, let them remember the, the feeling of this hand on the shoulder right now, this hand that's holding theirs. It's, that hands will be separated in a moment. But that touch needs to last for a very long time. So God, let them know we love them. We believe in them. We see it too. We pray for them. We don't know what they know, but we know that they know it. We don't necessarily believe what they believe, but we believe that they believe it. We haven't had the same burning bush experience they've had, but we believe they've heard the voice of God. Nobody up here is in this for the money and the fame because there is no money and there is no fame. There's just you. There's just you. Bless them, we pray in Jesus' name bless them, we pray, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. All right. How many of you guys know that this is your season? Don't you dare walk out those doors going, well, there's going to be more. I just wanted, I just not ready. Like, do it. Let people pray for you that are in front of you to lead you in their prayers. Amen? Amen? All right. The doors are open. Uh, I'm going to stay up here and pray for people. Well, actually, I can't, can I? I got to go back to the guest room. I'll be back in the guest room. Had a chance to meet. Love to hear your story. If you need prayer, come on, this way. Let's step out. On your mark, set, go. This way, this way, it's up to you. They're ready to pray. Music guy, hit a button, if you would, please.